Greetings. I wonder if you know that there is actually a loneliness epidemic in, in the United States, probably around the world. It's very sad that a latest study, a Cigna study from the Cigna Insurance Company, says that 50% of people in the United States are experiencing loneliness. That's just tragic because feeling alone is a very painful experience. It's not just painful uh, emotionally, which is, of course, terrible, but we feel those emotions in our body that impacts our health in a very big way. People can feel physically the pain of emotional loneliness. It's quite awful. So what's going on with this anyway? I wonder if you've been listening to these podcasts, if you're starting to get a clue as to how people need to connect and how they fail to connect and what they need to do to actually connect and really dial down those experiences of being lonely or alone in a crowd or growing apart from someone you thought you were meant to spend your life with. So we talked in podcast eight and nine, and this is podcast 10 in the series of how to be a competent self-manager. And in the other podcast, we talk about really building skills to, to train yourself, to retrain yourself, to dial down those experiences of anxiety and depression, which of course can contribute all kinds of feelings of separation. But they come from feelings of separation to begin with. Are you not connected to someone? That can really exacerbate anxiety and depression, experiences of helplessness and hopelessness. But if you've listened to the beginning of this podcast series, you know that these are all things you've learned to do. You've learned it in your automatic, emotional, imaginative, limbic brain portion of your brain. And that's not something you purposely learn to do, but you learn to do because your limbic brain, ever since you were a child, it's kind of like your personal radar system, very simply put. Your personal radar system that learns from experience and trains you, based on your experience, different than someone else with different experiences is trained. So if you're trained to be vigilant, or putting walls up, you're learning how to do relationships. And maybe it's not the best way that you do those relationships. Because in order to build right relationships, you need to have skills. And having those skills allows you to build emotional intimacy. You might say, well, well, Lori, what the heck are you talking about? Isn't it just a matter of being in the right place, circumstances, having the opportunity to meet people, the right people to socialize. Yeah, that's what a lot of people maybe think, that it's depending on if you have the right job or the right location. But the bottom line is that 50% of people in this country have loneliness. And that means a lot of those 50% are in the right jobs and are in the right so to speak, families and circumstances, and they're still experiencing loneliness. And so what does that tell you? It tells you that loneliness stems from not being able to cultivate 
healthy relationships or having the skills to cultivate them. Okay? So if you listen to podcast eight and nine, you've, you've been starting to realize that people feel connected to others who take the time to accept, validate, and understand their internal experiences. What does that mean? It means what it's like to be them. It means you don't erase or invalidate their experience by saying, that's not true, as if it's the world according to to you instead of what they're experiencing. So you should need to review 8 and 9. And this podcast, podcast 10 of the series of How to Be a Competent Self-Manager, I'm going to continue saying, how is it that so many people are lonely and what's the antidote towards that? Well, we need to know that these reactive defenses is what we're talking about when people um, you know, we block or dismiss others or, or lay their perspective on others or try to be pleasing or try to just not advocate for themselves. These are reactive defenses, and they're created during childhood, in your childhood development, and they're very adaptive. They're survival ad- adaptations at a time when there's no other way for you to feel safe because you depended on those people who were accidentally training you that this is what you needed to do. And it's kind of useless to blame parents because parents didn't spontaneously erupt with those skills. They learned those ways of communicating too. That's right. They all learned. And it's important to compassionately understand and, and recognize that people are doing pretty much the best they can. And I want you to recognize that the best someone can do doesn't mean it is the best just means that they're they kind of reach the ceiling of what they're able to do and it and it's it's they're being overwhelmed by the current circumstance so active listening skills are things that invite people into a safe place and they do that by not imposing your perspective on someone else or having them impose their perspective on you in other words it's not the world according to me or the world according to you, as if it's for everyone. Active listening, and we can call that clean language too. Active listening and clean language. Active listening is when you're doing this for someone else, and clean language is when you're doing it for yourself so you can advocate for your position, for your perspective, without imposing it as if it's the world's truth, but identifying that it is your truth. And when you do that, you make yourself known you don't make yourself known well there you go who knows you who knows you if you don't make yourself known you're gonna get an internal experience of feeling that nobody gets you because they can't if you don't make yourself known so you need to use this clean language that says this is what I feel this is what I think this is what I stand for and you need to know that it's your right as a human being to make yourself known. And of course, you're always going to take the risk that someone else may not agree with you. And that's fine, because another person has to make themselves known. And then you're in real relationships with someone else. It doesn't involve agreement, but it does involve that accepting, understanding, and validating. So here's the active listening skills. Very simple. Very simple. There's only five of them, really. If you can do this when someone else is really emotional or reactive, pay attention to them and not switch the conversation to you. 
You're really listening to what their concerns are and not say, well, yes, but me. Because yes, but is changing the conversation to what you want to talk about. Yes, but, but we know is the great eraser for everything that comes before it. And if you go in to defend and assert your opinion too quickly, you're not listening. You have to really listen to what's that like for that other person. So here's your very basic but very, very powerful active listening skills. You want to use I statements. And these allow the person who's ever using the I statement to be accountable and authentic. It's perfectly fine to say, I am angry when I feel dismissed as opposed to, you made me feel angry. Well, that's a very powerless statement. You have control over me. The you made me statements really need to be thrown out because the reality is no one can make you do anything unless you're completely helpless, like a little bobber on the waves, a little kite flowing wherever the wind blows. That's not a good feeling. That's a real formula for being helpless. You can certainly say, I don't like that. When I see these behaviors, I'm very upset. You might say, I'm confused when I see these behaviors, and so forth. These statements reflect the point of view of the speaker, you, without blaming or giving power to the other person. Consider how different those statements are from those you statements I just said. You make me so mad. You dismiss me. These statements put the speaker as a victim and are also very critical of the other person. So I statements really, really help you be very powerfully advocating for where you stand, what you believe, what you like, what you want, who you are. Very powerful. The next uh, skills in active listening are simply what and how questions. These types of questions are invitations to the other person, the person you're listening to, to better describe the emotions that they're feeling. You don't want to ask why when someone's emotional. Because if you're asking why, you're, you're asking them to say, please give me the fact. What fact could possibly justify why you are so angry? That's not what this is about. When you're asking a what question, you're saying, you know, I see this thing has happened. What seems so challenging about it? There's an underlying, much more important message that you miss when you just go for the fact. Oh, you left the toilet seat lit up. Well, that can be annoying, but that's a fact. But what's annoying about it? Well, I've asked you many, many times. Please don't do this. You fall in the toilet at the, in the middle of the night when it's dark, or it's just not respecting that I've asked you so many times. There's a what behind that. And that's what people need to know. What bothers you? What's the meaning behind this to you? What's going on is much more important, a deeper level of connection than saying, give me the fact. When you give the fact, some people feel like, oh, I'm just a petty person. I keep complaining about something as silly as a toilet seat. And we know that's not what it is. So instead of asking those why questions, people can feel dismissed when you do, as if they need to have a good reason to be upset instead of being you know, compassionately heard. What's important to you? What is really bothering you? So when someone's emotional, please ask those what and how questions. It will go a huge distance for helping someone feel really heard and cared about by you. And boy, does that lead to emotional connection. 
the other statement is tell me more. This type of statement is just another invitation to the other person. Please tell me more about your concerns. I'm not just going to nod my head and just wait until you finish talking and then interrupt or change the subject and talk about me. Tell me more. I want to understand it more. It's an I statement too. You want to say seems like or sounds like. These are reflective statements that provide the speaker with feedback. So if someone's speaking to you and you're actively listening, you want to say, oh, it seems like, seems like there's a lot of anger there. And if the person's not angry, they're going to go, oh, no, oh, what makes you see, see that? Or no, I'm not actually not very angry. I'm just so frustrated, which is a form of anger. Um, or I'm just so sad, or I just feel overwhelmed. I'm feeling cranky. So a person, when they hear what it looks like to you, what it seems like to you, you're not accusing them of anything. You're not saying you're just this or you're just that, labeling or judging. Yeah, throw those out the window. When someone says seems like, it's an invitation to say, this is what it looks like from my perspective. Is that the case? And you're, you're going to get over those misunderstandings and a person's going to feel, well, no, you know, I'm not that. Okay, if they get launched and say, how dare you even suggest that it seems that way, you're going to know that that person is so reactive. It's a good place to set a boundary and say, well, I'm not sure what's happening here, but when you're, you know, when you're able to tell me, please, let's discuss it. I'm going to talk more about boundaries and how to set really good boundaries uh, because that's important in relationships too. We're going to do that in another podcast. So seems like or sounds like is 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 preventing misunderstandings. If you're just going to go on with the presumption that somebody is mad or somebody is jealous or somebody is this and that, you're reading their intentions and you're being a mind reader. You can't tell somebody's intentions, even if it looks highly probable or you've seen that behavior before. Your best tool is to say, it seems like to me, is that so? Help me out here. Tell me more. What's this about? That is really clean, and it stops putting your perspectives or your fears on someone else, which ultimately feels dismissive or alienating to someone else and leaves you feeling alone as, as a listener or leaves you feeling alone as a speaker if you're not using active listening. And the last thing I want to say in this, this podcast of uh, the skills is uh, a special kind of I statement called I wonder really helps you be a tool as a special kind of guiding statement that helps the other person kind of think in the direction that you you want them to think of without telling them. Because telling them, we're going to talk about that in the next podcast, is on the no list of what not to do. There's so many things not to do. It was far easier just to list these five types of statements of what to do to really feel heard, to really connect. And if someone is so reactive that despite all these efforts to say I statements, what and how questions, tell me more, reflective statements like seems like or sounds like, or I wonder. If a person is so reactive and just starts spewing verbal abuse at you, that's when that boundary comes in because, because you're doing a really great job of trying to be, uh, trying to understand and to be understood. If that person's just not there yet, they need to calm down. And you're not going to do it for them. You can invite them to do it, but you're not going to do it because you can't control someone else. So there are many variations of the above, um, you know, aforementioned active listening skills. And the important thing to remember is that you want to elicit the perspective of the other person. 
you don't want to impose your perspective on the other person because that leaves that alienates people and that feels pe- lets people feel alone. So this is Lori Olson. This was podcast 10 of the series, How to Be a Competent Self-Manager for Health and Well-Being. It's archived on Facebook, Discover Me PG. And also you can find it on iTunes under Lori Olson, How to Be a Competent Self-Manager. Please stay tuned for um, the upcoming podcast 11. And stay tuned. Uh, You can come back to Facebook or to iTunes and watch for it. And feel free to shoot me any questions you have at Lori, L-O-R-I, at adptherapy.com. A is in anxiety, D, depression, P, pain, adptherapy.com.